Hello and welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. On Wisco Legacy, I talk to interesting, inspiring, and successful people from the great state of Wisconsin and hear all about their journey. You can find me on all the podcast platforms. I also have a video version of each podcast on YouTube. You can follow me along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I also have a website, wiscolegacy.com. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Ricky Denner, and I survived COVID-19, and this is my Wisco Legacy. Uh, welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. On today's episode, we have Ricky Denner. Uh, Ricky uh, survived COVID-19. He had a really tough battle with it, uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, growing up in uh, rural Wisconsin. He, Ricky grew up in uh, South Wayne, Wisconsin here, so I'm going to talk about that, and he's very involved in the community as well. So we want to talk all about that. Uh, Ricky and I, Ricky was actually my very first baseball coach. So, that's right. That's how me and Corey got to know each other. Yeah, he, was my, got... he was my little second baseman. Oh, he was yeah. a little, real little guy at one time. Yep. <laughs> the old Browntown Bulldogs. Yeah, the Browntown Bulldogs. Yeah. A couple years. Oh, yeah. All right, Ricky. So you grew up in South Wayne. Uh, you grew up on a dairy farm. Uh, what was it like growing up in, in South Wayne and uh, talk about farming as a kid? Um, it was... I guess that's where we learned to um, have good worth ethic on a farm like that and family together. Um, sat down for dinners every day, you know, as a family and supper and um, get out there, get your hands dirty. Um, dad taught us hard work. My mom taught us hard work. And it, it was just, you know, what farm life is in Wisconsin. Yeah. So I wouldn't yeah. give it away for nothing. It was like the best experience you can have as a, kid growing up on a farm you so. hear that a lot from a lot of farm kids they, they wouldn't take that mm-hmm. um, experience for granted at all right i mean nowadays like when people interview you for a job if you tell them you worked on a farm that that's like a big thing you know mm-hmm. for sure well, so what were you like as a kid were you into sports uh were you mainly farming yeah sports um watched a lot of packers and brewer games when i was a kid too in fact, we get together with my cousins to unload, unload hay, you know, bales of hay. In between loads of hay, we'd play ball. We'd play football and baseball. You'd think we'd be wore out, but we'd, we'd play, you know, it was crazy, crazy times. Oh, yeah. That's that's small town Wisconsin right there. Uh-huh. And, of course, we joined the Little League team in South Wayne, and you played against all your friends. Back then, South Wayne was big enough. They had their own league just within the own school. Oh, wow. School system, so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Awesome. So you've been really involved in the community. Uh, Blackhawk, which is the school for South Wayne uh, in Albany over the years. Uh, what got you involved in, in those communities and in the sports sports there? Um, well, I went to school in South Wayne and um, one night I went to a volleyball game and, and they got tired of the high school kids not paying attention to the line judging. So they were going to maybe start having adults do it. So uh, Coach Mortimer at the time was there and he just asked me, he says, Ricky, you want to try it? And I like, yeah, I'll try it. Well, that was 16 years ago. So I've been line judging um, volleyball for 16 years between Blackhawk and Albany. And then awesome. when I eventually got to Albany seven years ago, they were looking for somebody to run the score clock for basketball too. So I've been doing that the last seven and it just fate that I just happened to be at the games and they just come up and asked me to do it. And 
Mm-hmm. And so, and I had connections. Um, I went to school in South Wayne and I was a custodian there for 10 years too, prior to um, working there as, as a line judge, but yeah, just small town, know everybody and, and that would get you in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in those communities you have, um, you make those connections and, you know, a lot of the small town communities, you have a lot of people that go to the games and support the, the program. So that's yeah. awesome to see. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like the camaraderie with the, with the fans and the, like the kids behind me when I'm line judging, they're like giving me, you know, a little bit of crap on my calls and stuff, but it's all fun. Oh yeah. I'll just say, okay, I'll make up for the next one. I'll, I'll, I'll call for you guys, you know, just joke around. There you go. <laughs> So outside of your day job, you're a well-known DJ in the area. What got you into that? Um, been into music my whole life since since records were invented, I think. Um, my sister, Renita, had 45s, 45 records. I don't know if you know what that is, but um, <laughs> um, she had a ton of them. And wasn't much to do when you were a kid on the farm besides go out and play with the toy tractors while I – my sisters had a record player, so I'd sit there and just listen to records all day, and I just loved it. And my mom liked some of the old country, and and my sisters liked the '60s and '70s, and I grew up with the '80s music, and and I just there ain't nothing I no genre of music I don't like. Yeah, you know, it's all good, and it's something everybody has in common, whether you're black or white, Republican, Democrat, COVID, non-COVID. Um, mask, unmask. Everybody likes music. It's something everybody has in common, you know, and it brings people together. You yeah. kind of forget about troubles in the world. And, and I just, I like, feel like I'm helping out people by playing their song for them. Yeah, for sure. I know you do a lot of weddings and events around uh, the Green and Lafayette County areas. So uh, you've definitely been a, I've been to plenty of events where you're, you're spinning and uh, it's always fun. Yeah, I like to sit back and just try to figure out what people like. I'll, I'll look at their age and their if they start tapping their toe to a certain song, I'm like, yeah, I know what they like. You yep. um, I mix it up. I make sure I play for everybody. It's always been my key for DJing is play something for everybody, not just a certain group. Yeah, that's yep. awesome. All right, so we're going to talk about uh, your COVID-19 journey. Uh, you were in the hospital for 96 days. Uh, you were in a coma for six weeks, I believe. Six weeks, yeah. Um, so I want to start at the beginning of this. Uh, when did you first start getting symptoms? Uh, it was the middle of October. Um, I was at work that week. I worked for the village of Albany, and I had like a bad headache, like never had one like that before. And so I middle of, I think it was on a Monday or whatever, I went home that day. I was like, God, I don't feel right. And, and then throughout the week, it, everything's, they talk about this fog. Everything seemed like foggy, like all week. And then by Friday of that week, I felt good again. And I was supposed to DJ for a wedding the next day. So I was going to go set up for this wedding that Friday. Well, as I was setting up, I started getting the headache bad again. And, and I, felt a little warm or whatever but then by four o'clock that afternoon I thought okay I feel good again well as I was driving home um, I got a call from the Monroe Clinic because on that Wednesday I went and got tested for COVID they told me I had COVID (laughs) oh great 
So I had to scramble, hurry up, find a replacement DJ for the wedding the next day. as one of my cousin's kids. And, mm. and uh, when I got home about seven o'clock that night, I started sweating bad. So I took my temperature. It was 103.6. Hmm. I thought, well, this can't be right. So I checked it again. You know, it's 103.6. But I thought, no, I'm just going to sweat this out. I'm going to be better in the morning. Well, by 10 o'clock that night, I could hardly breathe. I just lost my breath. I could hardly breathe. I was sweating. And so then about mid or close to mid, I had to call my daughter, Jolene. I said, you're going to have to take me in. I said, something ain't right. So I can't hardly breathe. I, and she took me in and then... Uh, I guess the rest is history. They um, put me in the hospital that night in Monroe and had me on nose cannula oxygen the first night. And then I think it was two days later, they put a ventilator mask on me, an air mask. And then um, uh, I think it was like five days after I went in, that's when I started turning really bad. I couldn't hardly breathe. Um, and that's when they decided to bed flight me to Meritor in Madison. So. Wow. That's it. It's kind of crazy to think how quickly that progressed. Like you were like, you said yeah. you were coming back from the wedding. You seemed like you were getting a little bit better. And then all of a sudden six, yeah. seven hours later, you're heading to the hospital. Yeah. And to this day, I still don't think they got COVID figured out, you know, how it works or anything, you know, mm-hmm. It's interesting how it affects different people in different ways. Right. Yeah, I never had any underlying conditions or nothing except for a little beer belly. That's yeah. about all I had wrong with me. <laughs> you live in Wisconsin. That's totally fine. Yeah, you eat a lot of cheese too. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Me too. Um, so you mentioned you were med flighted. Uh, at that point in time, you were still awake or had you slipped into your coma? I was out of it then. I think okay. they put me, started me in my coma and do stuff, right? mineral that last day I was there okay. so I was induced into the coma and then I don't think they planned for me to be out for six weeks but I was mm-hmm. and I don't remember anything after that yeah last thing I remember is going into mineral um, with my daughter mm-hmm. that night and I know I made a couple of music video or not music but videos and and I talked to people and I knew that last day before I got bed flighted I made a video I kind of thought that that was my last day on earth i was trying to maybe say goodbye to everybody but i didn't it's just i wanted to make one more video i thought i'm not going to wake up tomorrow i cannot mm-hmm. breathe even with the oxygen i could not breathe and so I, just, I remember the video uh, when you posted it and yeah it, you, you could tell you had progressed you progressively got worse because yeah. I think you had posted something a few days ago and you, you seemed, you know, Hey, I'm at the hospital. It, it seemed okay. But then you were kind of struggling to breathe while you were posting, while you were doing that video and stuff. Uh-huh. What, what was going through your mind as you're sitting there wondering if it's your last day? Um, at the time, you know, because of COVID, you could have no people to see you. In fact, the whole time I was in the whole hospital stay, I couldn't see anybody, but I kept thinking, I just want to see, one of my family, one members, one more time. That's that's what was going through my head. I just want to see him one more time, and mm-hmm. and I, that part sucked. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's it's isolating. You're by yourself. You're with your nurses and yes. care team. So, but and I'm just hoping that you know they're gonna do something, make me better. I hope I hope I come out of this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't it's pretty, know. pretty scary stuff. Um. 
so you mentioned you were med flighted. You got the last bed at Meritor. Yeah, they there was only one bed left open, I think, in the whole city of Madison, let alone Meritor, because they were awful. Not just you know COVID patients, but other patients or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was just dumb luck that I I got that and and yeah. Yeah, you ever wonder what what would have happened if you if that bed got filled before you got there? Uh, I I don't think I would have made it. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, so you mentioned you were in a, in a coma for six weeks. Uh, do you remember anything from, from your coma? No, um, I was in my coma. Um, I guess my family had made like a music or a video where they talked to me every day. They made an iPad video. So the nurses would play that for me every day, thinking I would subconsciously hear their voices. So just my brothers and sisters and my mom. And I guess they played it every day for just about six weeks. And, um, I, I don't know if I heard it or not. I, I could have, but um, I had some weird dreams when I was in my coma. I actually dreamt that I was um, on a Disneyland cruise ship going to an island to get my COVID fixed by a witch doctor. And it was really uh-huh. weird. They say these COVID dreams, people have weird dreams. And I had one. It was so real. I remember it all. Uh-huh. Uh, as far as, I guess they tried to wake me up a couple of times, but I don't remember talking or nothing. Um, I had to lay prone, like face down for just about the whole six weeks. Wow. Because I guess when I turn over, my lungs would like fill up or whatever. Hmm. Uh, the, the fact that I laid face down now, the um, ventilator left a scar on my, permanent scar on my face. It like, cause I guess I must've oh, laid on that side the whole time. Huh. So I, I got that war wound. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So after six weeks and I, when I finally came out of my coma, it was a experience. Like I want to say like a religious experience because um, I had like a, it was a dream, but it was real at the same time. It was like a hand that came at my face. It was like a glow hand, like lighted. Mm-hmm. I seen it coming at me and I remember like trying to put my head back. Like I kept getting, and I got up to my face and started brushing me. And then I just felt like warm. Then I opened my eyes for the first time. That's when I woke up. And then uh-huh. I had two nurses and a doctor standing over me. And they're like, Ricky, you're awake. And I'm like, yeah. And I couldn't talk because I had a trach in my neck too. Mm-hmm. And I had five tubes coming out of me, by the way. Wow. <laughs> looked like a, a whiskey still from Otis Campbell from Andy Griffiths. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, they're like, Ricky, you're awake. I'm like, yeah. And so they started asking me questions to check my um, brain function or whatever. And, and they're like, do you know where you are? I go, well, yeah, I'm in Monroe. Came here last night. Like, no, you're in Madison. You've been here for a couple months. I go, I have? I go, I don't, I just, I couldn't fathom, I couldn't register that I'd been out for two months. They brought a calendar over and show me. You know, this is the day. It's two days before Thanksgiving. You came in October. And so the next question was, you know, do you know why you came in here? I go, well, COVID. Okay. Well, what's your favorite team? I go, Green Bay Packers. They looked at each other. He's all right. He's got got his functions. He's got his brain. (laughs) I do remember that distinctly. (laughs) Yeah. 
no that oh, had to be uh, that had to be wild to come out of that and like yeah. and you had all that time had passed and you had no idea i, no, I couldn't imagine no, no people were being devastated and i was sleeping all the time <laughs> yeah yeah um, i mean you were getting there were so many people reaching out and posting stuff on facebook about about you um your family was sharing updates uh throughout this whole process and uh yeah you had no idea what was going on nope nope i yeah people told me later now how worried and sick they were about me and it's like they were talking about somebody else that didn't didn't register mm-hmm. but yeah. later on once i figured out i couldn't walk or do anything anymore for a while and it kicked in like oh yeah I guess I am sick. <laughs> yeah. So how long from the time you woke up till uh, you were starting to breathe on your own? Quite a while. Yeah, I was think I was on oxygen for another um, two. Let's see, I was in there for a month and a half. It's about another month and a half on oxygen yet. Yeah. Okay. I had a trach in my neck for like for a while too i think i come out in december too okay that was tough because you hardly talk so, right yeah. and and you're you're a guy that loves to talk and chat and oh yeah i'm a social guy yeah, oh, no yeah. Doubt. So, yeah that sucked when i couldn't see or do any talk to anybody and and do anything i had the nurses to talk to and i had them cracking up quite a bit well, of course i, I, I can only imagine like i said i was the music into music so one of my friends had got me a boom box and i could play bluetooth phone off my under the speaker and then the nurses would come in and actually start dancing in the room and because i was the only one i had music in the whole hospital <laughs> nice you were you were lifting their spirits too because they yes know, yes um, for, i did for, uh, go yeah ahead. i did see the nurse go through a lot of, a lot of stuff from there and there they lost a lot of patience when i was in there and and uh They'd come into the room, you know, like I said, at the beginning of the shift, they were all happy and, you know, nice to see you. And after 12 hour shift, they're, they're dragging. Mm-hmm. It's, a lot of respect. it's an emotional toll for them to go through and, and see patients that are uh, near death and experience death like that. I couldn't imagine going through right. that day in and day out. Um, yeah. And they were like, like I said, you could get no visitors in there. They were like the last people to, see the whoever passed away be with them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so they go from a room where somebody may have just died to uh your room or somebody else's room where you're trying to they're trying to either pick somebody up and you know they're their only real source of communication for these people so it's it's a lot to to manage for sure right right so so um you were in the hospital until I'm using my cheat sheet over here to uh, the end, basically the end of 2020, uh, you moved over to a rehab facility, correct? Yeah. Yep. That's right. Started to uh, learn to uh, stand up was the first thing I had to learn to do is even stand up again. Um, and then I had to learn to use my arm, lift my arms up. Um, I could only lift one at a time. I was so determined to get out of there that I was actually over-exercising and I actually tore a rotator cuff muscle in one of my arms from, I was lifting weights with anything I could find in the room. I was just I was determined to get out of that hospital and not be like that. 
But yeah, I got to rehab and you've seen a lot of different people that are in there for different reasons. Car accident or a guy lost his leg or diabetes or whatever. You know, people are all in the same boat mm-hmm. and they're all struggling and all wanting to get better. And those nurses got their hands full there too because they got a lot of work to do. It's, it's all meant more mental than it's physical, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard, very hard work. Like the hardest thing I ever to do, I said I related to my freshman year of football practice the first time when they make you sore that you can't get out of bed the next day. That's how I felt like every day there. It's like hurt. But I like, no, I got to keep going. I don't want to spend my life in here. No. Yeah, like you said, you kind of had to relearn how to how to walk and like build back your muscles. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of atrophy or whatever yeah. from yeah. laying in bed and, and whatnot. Yeah, when you lay that long, everything shuts down. And I had to actually swallow. I had to build up my swallow muscles, hmm. and and I I still got a little bit of neuropathy in my feet yet, like a little numbness tingling in the bottom of my feet and my thigh muscles and part of my lip was a little numb yet. But they can't, doctors can't tell me if that's going to come back or not because they just don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. But. So you were in the rehab facility um, for a couple of, almost a month, I think, based on my cheat sheet here. Um, what was it like being getting that green wristband and saying you can you can take care of yourself? That was the best thing ever. It's like, you know, it's, to me, it's like degrading because to get to the bathroom, I couldn't do that for anything. When I was able to start doing that, I felt like, yes, I'm independent now. I can get to the bathroom. It's like a big deal. And so when I got my green wrist that I could actually kind of take care of myself, that was like I knew I was going to be coming home soon. And um, I went from one um, thing that I might end up at Pleasant View Nursing Home the rest of my life to now I'm going to get to go home and and hopefully things get better and have. Mm-hmm. So you recently passed the one year mark of having COVID. Uh, yep. It was a couple of weeks ago. Um, you back to DJing now? I'm back partially. Yep, I've I'm limiting limit myself to one or twice a month right now. Just but now I got the itch. I'm ready to go back full. T- Next year I'll be back to me again. Yeah. Well, have to find some events where you're at and, and head over there. Yep. Um, you back to work and whatnot? I went back to work in June. I got home from the hospital in January. So, yeah, I went back in June. Started out at light duty for – that only lasted like four weeks. Now I'm pretty much back doing everything I did before. Awesome. Yeah, Keep it feels in. good. That I need to get back mentally. I, as much as people want to stay home and not do nothing nowadays, I, that, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I like a little bit of Netflix, but not a lot. <laughs> right. It's, it's tough. I work at home. And so for me, it, like I need to get out sometimes too. like, even just to go to the yeah. grocery store, it, yeah. it, it's mentally wearing just sitting at home and whatnot. Yeah. So glad you're able to get back and oh, yeah. uh, keep those streets up in, in Albany uh, yes. maintained and whatnot. Um, so what, what did before you had COVID, um, what, what were your thoughts around COVID? Is it you didn't worry about it or you're kind of worried about it? What, what was yeah, I knew it was it? there, but I didn't worry about it. I didn't watch the news a lot about it. I, I guess I seen it on there, but I didn't 
no, I just, I guess I didn't really worry about it. I just thought, mm-hmm. okay, it's just a, I thought it was like the flu or something. You know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. you hear all these conspiracy theories and you don't know what's true and what's not true. And I just didn't want to get wrapped up in that. It's concentrate mm-hmm. on where I'm working and DJing and, and having a couple of beers. Yep. Right. <laughs> I'm sure your perspective changed a little bit after going through all this. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Um, I'd say the biggest thing is, um, first famous philosopher once said, uh, God, family, and the Green Bay Packers. Um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I learned that family is everything. Your friends are everything. But mainly that I guess there is a higher power out there. I really believe that, you know, religion had a lot to do with it. Um, didn't know about the power of prayer until you're on the, on the other end of it. And, you know, I guess I learned that religion isn't just for Sundays. It's every day. Mm-hmm. And I really felt that hand that touched me. I think that was um, family members that have gone before me. Um, I think it was the prayers. Um, I don't know. Just more, more God, more God yeah. in my life. Yeah. Did you, um, were you religious or anything before this, or is this going to um, help? Not, I'm not saying that no, you are religious. No, I, I'd say, you know, I believed in God and stuff, but I wasn't going to church, but maybe two times a year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it, I really it wasn't. You closer. It, it did. Yeah. 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 So you've talked a lot about family. Um, you have two kids. Uh, you have some brothers and sisters. Uh, how how did your family impact this entire experience? Were you constantly thinking of them in in the hospital and whatnot? Yeah, I was always wondering what they were thinking. Like, are they crying all the time, or are they devastated? Or and yeah, it just I pretty sure it brought us i know it did it brought us all a lot closer together Mm -hmm. um so i know with you being in the hospital for so long there was a lot of things that had to be done um kind of behind the scenes you know keeping up with your house and bills and updating people what um what was that process yeah my my son dwight um he helped with the, the with the bills and then he was taking care of my house. And then when I did come home, he stayed with me for a couple months to help me get around. Cause I didn't, I came home, I was using a walker when I got home so I could get around and he helped me like get dressed, get my socks on in the morning and, and shoes on. I couldn't even tie my shoes yet. This is only four months ago, <laughs> five months ago, believe it or not. Um, and he'd get the meals ready for me. Um, there was like a meal train too, or people were bringing me meals every day, which is pretty cool. <clears throat> so he did that part. And then my daughter, Jolene, took care of, she was like my medical advisor or whatever for the hospital if they had questions and stuff. And then she was the one that kept everybody up to date on what was going on. She had a, a Facebook page for my health only. And so that was a contact for the outside world to, keep track of what was going on with me and bless her heart. She had her work cut out for her because she's a school teacher too in Monroe. So she had that going on. Plus she's trying to watch out for me and I know it had to be hard for her. Mm-hmm. I, love her. I love them both. Yep. Good. 
All right. So uh, right before you were released, there was a, a basketball game between your hometown, your original hometown of uh, South Wayne, Blackhawk School, and Albany, and they honored you there. It was just a couple of days before you uh, you headed home there. Uh, what was that like to hear about that? Yeah, I was in the hospital, and um, I got a text from somebody from the school. They're like, you need to YouTube live the ball game between Blackhawk and Albany tonight. I'm like, well, yeah, I've been kind of watching ball games anyway. I didn't know what that was about. Well, at halftime, they did it, or before the game started, they did a tribute to me, like, you know, how much they missed me and wished me well. And that was very touching. It, both coaches spoke. Um, it, it was overwhelming, just like um, all the cards I got and the messages I get. It's just overwhelming to get all that, to see how people actually come out and help people. Do you know, Today in the world, all you hear is, you know, bad stuff, but it's not. It's good. There's a lot of good. And I, and I was on the receiving end of it. And, and that's that's because you've been, you've been a valued member of the communities and you do a lot uh, for both of those communities you have over the years. So um, part of that is due to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I said, growing up in a small town, um, family farm growing up, um, Good values from your parents, you know, mm -hmm. hard work, uh, learn to have fun, do community stuff. Uh, my mom and dad taught, brought us brothers and sisters upright to always help others out. And they, we've all been involved some way or another, like with community and we're all good workers. And I don't, I think I'm the only one that probably gets into trouble. But <laughs> I do that every now and then. <laughs> um, so when you when you came home, uh, there was a line of cars through Albany, uh, kind of getting you home. What was what was that experience like? Was that overwhelming? Uh, yeah, was that so I had a I had a surprise homecoming. Um, the day I came home, it was like 13 degrees outside, and sitting there with my daughter and son, and all of a sudden they're like, my daughter gets a phone call, I'm like oh, whatever. All of a sudden she's like, we got to go outside. I go what? We gotta go outside. You gotta sit in the front porch. Like it's cold out. I got a pair of shorts on, a t-shirt. So we had to hurry up and go out there. And I just threw a blanket over me. And, and all of a sudden, all these cars come by with signs, get well, Ricky, and we miss you and love you. I couldn't believe it. It was the fire department, police department, the village department, um, and family and people from town honking their horns and that, that was another very warm inspiring day it makes it feel good yeah i was just i never thought i'd have this kind of attention i don't know i'm not looking for that mm -hmm. i mean you you see that in small towns i feel like all over the place but in in bigger town bigger cities you you wouldn't see anything like that i i don't think but you know small town wisconsin i feel like everybody's connected well and uh, really true really truly tries to care about others so awesome yeah. that you had that reception yeah and albany's a good town they everybody's kind of looks out for each other here in this town it's, it's kind of like south wayne was yeah yeah for sure so having gone through this this whole experience uh has, how has your perspective on life changed um 
you don't take things for granted. I know it's an old cliche, but I don't take, take things for granted like I used to. Um, like I said, just being able to stand up or brush your teeth or go to the bathroom or you know, stuff you take for granted every day. Some people can't do that. And it's just, I look at things like that now. I mean, I look at the color of the leaves of the trees now and and just small things. Every small thing I, I notice now. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, so I can't let you go without talking about the Packers. Uh, we're recording this the day the Packers and Bears are playing. So any uh, any prediction for the game today? 27 to 7. All right. I Mark assume the Pack- Packers are coming out on top on that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Any- Bears are going to go through another quarterback again. Right. <laughs> any thoughts for the rest of the season? I think they'll be all right. I think they'll, I think they'll win the division. I don't know how far they'll get in the playoffs. You know, injuries always play a part, you know. Yeah, for sure. I'll be I'll be curious to see uh how this offseason pans out with Rogers, all the all the stuff going on with him. Devontae might right. walk and all that. So I'll be I'll be curious to see how that plays out. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Let's get through this year. <laughs> yep, right. <laughs> all right. So I got some rapid fire questions about Wisconsin. Uh so there's three questions I'll ask you. Um feel free to kind of answer quickly and talk about uh the questions here so first one what's your favorite restaurant in wisconsin oh i would have to say um texas roadhouse yeah (laughs) can't go wrong with the steaks there ever ever Mm -hmm. yeah love it uh what's your favorite event in wisconsin cheese days cheese days cheese days have been all in the square yeah every other year obviously yeah um, every other year oh we got sk- skipped out the last two right yeah yeah next year is going to be huge excited for it um yeah. yeah so for people that don't know what cheese days is it's a huge festival in monroe happens every other year because uh, i don't know if our i don't know if monroe can handle cheese days every year there's like a hundred thousand people that come into town and um there's a whole bunch of cheese related things there's music there's it's, it's just a blast. So, yeah. Um, last question here. Uh, rap, last rapid fire question. What's your favorite place or where's your favorite place to hang out in Wisconsin? You got a favorite place to chill? Uh, not really. I just go all over. I, uh, I like to go to sports bars, um, uh, concerts. I'm a big concert goer. I go to a lot of con- like big concerts. I just went and seen Luke Bryan last month. And I got up to the stage, got to shake his hand. Um, I love my 80s music, so any chance I can go see an 80s, old 80s uh, band concert, I'll go to that too. But yeah, there's no particular place. I just go all over. Yeah. yeah. You hit a lot of the local places around here, and um, there's just, there's so much, so many awesome places to hang out in the Green County in surrounding areas, uh, plenty, plenty of opportunity to, to do stuff. So mm-hmm. cool. Uh, so final question for you, Ricky, this is something I ask everybody that comes onto the podcast. Uh, when all is said and done, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Um, just want people to know that um, don't give up no matter how bad things seem to be. There's, it, it can turn out, it'll turn out in the end. Just don't give up on anything, no matter what it is, you'll make it. Mm-hmm. Trust me, you will. Yep, that's awesome perspective, Ricky. I appreciate you coming on here and talking through your journey. Uh, I mean, from your 
your small town roots to the community involvement that you're you're in. Um, your COVID journey is inspiring to say the least. Uh, to be able to go through that and um, come out uh, ahead of it, and I know there's there's still some effects from it, but uh, you you have a really unique perspective on life now, having gone through that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for thanks for hopping on Wisco Legacy, Ricky. Yeah, thanks, Corey.